hell that I was in, I'd do anything to be better. I thought like a lunatic. You kind of just have like that little bit of hope that it will get better. You're gonna make it. This began my surrender. I am a witness of my own growth. It's a life beyond your wildest dreams, and I just have to say, it works if you work it. My story, that's what I share. You're listening to Far From Finished, a weekly podcast where we share new, real-life stories of hope and triumph, told by the people who live them. Part two of this real-life experience in recovery. At that point, I told my family about my addiction. I had told them a year earlier, but I didn't tell them how bad it was. And the answer at that point, I was offered treatment, and I did not take it because because my son was very little. I didn't know how to leave him. I didn't know who to leave him with. So I told them I would stay home, clean up my act, and get back to work. And we would sweep it under the carpet. It didn't work like that. It Maybe two or three days later, I was right back to using. So this time, when my mugshot is all over every news outlet you can think of, I had to come clean and I had to come honest. And honestly, I wanted to. I wanted to tell them what was really going on. I couldn't stand my family thinking I was some monster. I couldn't bear the thought of them believing that I could do these things and and there not be something behind it, fueling it. And I needed to relieve the burden for myself. I couldn't carry it any long. It had been 15 years of this addiction ruling my life. And I was done with it. And most importantly, I had this little boy who was no longer a baby. He was two and a half years old. And he was a miracle from the minute he was conceived. And he was this gift from God that deserved better. He deserved a mother. He didn't deserve what, what he had gotten. And he's, he, he's such an exceptional little boy. And it was, it was time. It was time for me to get better. And, and I wanted out of Pennsylvania. I didn't want to be here with the news stories that were now circulating Facebook and social media and everybody knew about it. And I wasn't ready to face them. So my parent, my mother and, and stepfather did the research. They found, I mean, she, my mother really did the research. She found that if you go to treatment for 90 days, inpatient treatment for 90 days, you have a better chance of getting cleaned up and staying clean for the long term than you would if you go for 28 days. The, uh, you know, the theory behind it is the longer that you stay in treatment, the, the better chance you have of really cleaning up, getting the care that you need, and becoming a protective member of society. Uh, by all of her research, she found that American Addiction Centers was the best shot that I had, and they were familiar with West Palm Beach because they were considering opening an office here. So they figured they would be able to come down and visit me. At that point, they thought they could bring my son to visit me and and all that fun stuff, but that that didn't happen. Um, the, my biggest blessing in all of this is that I have a supportive family. I have this incredibly supported, supportive family that has that is stuck by my side. They they did tell me 
um, when this all first happened, they told me that, you know, we're giving you one shot to go down there and get your act together. And next time, you know, we'll call CPS or Child Protective Services on you ourselves. But they agreed to take my son and watch after him while I went and got better. And they would support me through this. So I agreed to go. And I agreed to go for 90 days. And they were they were so incredibly supportive that my insurance, my health insurance was not, um, it, it couldn't be used in, out of state. So it couldn't be used in Florida. My family paid cash to put me in that 90 days of treatment. Um, the number is private, but it, it's not a small number. They paid cash to get me out of my house, to get my son every single thing he needed while I was gone. They, I left to go to treatment. It was the hardest day of my life to say goodbye to my son. And I went and I, I remember my mother saying to me, please stay the 90 days, do the work, learn about yourself, find out why you can do the things you, you've done because it's not you. And this is a gift. This is the opportunity of a lifetime to go into treatment and to get better. Take advantage of it. And when I left, I was, I was resentful and she doesn't know and she has no idea what it's like to be me because I always had a victim attitude, a very defensive victim attitude. And I, I came to Singer Island and it didn't take long for me to understand what she was talking about. Um, there was no pool, there was no private chef. Yeah, you could see the beach, but it, it was more like going, for me, it was more like going to overnight camp because it was a very structured environment. Uh, but it was overnight camp where you can't talk to the boys, which, again, I understood, and I fully understand now why that's so important. For me personally, going into treatment, not having to think about my bills, not having to think about the outside world, not having to think about all the bullshit that I had created in my life, it was such a relief. It was such a relief to sit still and to have the voices in my head quiet down a little bit. And I started to, it took a little while for me to wake up. It took about 20, 30 days in treatment for me to really wake up. And that's why I see the importance of the, the extended stay. Um, it takes a little while for your brain to start to heal from all the damage that I had done to it. Um, and I liked going to therapy. I loved the, the group facilitators. I had an amazing personal therapist there, the staff members. I mean, everyone there was like me. Everyone there most, not everyone, most of the people, that, well, you know, everyone there was touched by addiction in some way or another. And most of the people there were in recovery themselves. So I couldn't get away with saying, you don't understand, because they did. And I needed that. I needed to feel safe in a community of people that understood me, understood that I wasn't an, a monster, and they understood that I was sick and suffering. And needed a way out and needed help. They taught me to do the next right thing and good things would happen. A concept I never even knew. 
but it's the truth. There was a group facilitator there that did our art therapy that really tried to stress the importance of reading page 417 of the AA book about acceptance. It took me a little while, but once I read that, I got it. I got it. You know, this is where I am supposed to be at this point in my life. The hardest part, naturally, was not being with my son, but on my phone calls home, I was assured he was doing well. And he was, he was now thriving. Because with me, before I started getting better, he wasn't thriving. He wasn't doing the things that a child his age should be doing. When I left and I came to Florida, my son started to thrive and it started to be evident of what a brilliant little boy he is and what a little character he is and his personality is like nothing else. And I was inhibiting his ability to grow up and to show off his special talents. So we both started to heal. Not only did my son heal along with me, my family did. My parents came to two of the, the family weekends and they got an education on addiction and they got an education on me. And they started to feel less alone being surrounded by other family members of addicts. The second family weekend, they brought down my little uh, stepbrother and stepsister so they could understand me. And it became, my time in treatment became a beautiful experience. I started to have girlfriends again. I hadn't had girlfriends in 20 years. I hadn't laughed, like real true belly laughing with tears rolling down my face in years and years and years. I could go on and on and on about my experience in treatment, but again, we'd be here for you know, days. But the truth is, from the bottom of my heart, my time spent in treatment was one of the best times in my 40 years. I turned 40 at Singer Island, an American Addiction Center, and I dreaded it, but it became special. And now for the rest of my life, as I have another birthday, because I have another one about to come up, I'll remember where I was on my 40th birthday. I was getting better. It was almost like being reborn. I started to understand myself, and I started to learn how to deal with myself. I started to learn how to feel feelings. There is a therapist at, at Singer Island that worked on trauma therapy and the EMDR therapy. To this day, a year later, I still see him on a, a biweekly basis outside of Singer Island um, because the help the help is is incredible. The way I feel after working with him is incredible. Singer Island gave me the platform to learn how to live a life in the society that I should have been living all along and I didn't know how to. Uh, when I left Singer Island, I stayed in Florida. I went to an IOP program because that was the recommendation and I was going to take every possible recommendation. I went to an IOP. I did that for about six weeks. I lived in a halfway house, and you know, I learned a little bit. It was it was nothing like being in Singer Island, but it was a nice experience. Um, after that, the plan was for me to go back to Pennsylvania and go back to work and, and have my son back and start to live my life again back up there. When I went back to Pennsylvania after the six weeks in the IOP, so now I had been in Florida for five and a half, or, no, four and a half months, 
when I went back to Pennsylvania, I was scared. I didn't feel at home. I didn't want to be there. The only thing I wanted was my son. I just wanted to be with my son. I didn't care about meeting a man. I didn't care about having the best job. I didn't care about anything but having a life with this little boy, one that he deserved. Because at this point, I had also found out his father, his biological father, who's my, you know, was a good friend of mine, wanted nothing to do with him either. So I became a true single mother at this point. And I owe it to him, to my little boy, his name is Lucas, I owe it to him to be there with him 100%, and I owe it to myself to be there with him 100%. He didn't come into this life to not be raised by a mother, and I didn't have a baby not to enjoy him and raise him. So when I was back in Pennsylvania for about two weeks, um, my cousin, who was my age, overdosed and died, and that was it for me. I, I spoke to my family. I said, I, I don't want to be here. I need to change my people, my places, and my things, and I need your help to figure out how I can get back to Florida where I feel safe, where I'm in a, an atmosphere of recovery, where I am in a community of recovery. Uh, that will keep me safe, that will keep me healthy, and that will keep me sober. And they agreed. They decided to open that West Palm Beach office. My mother and stepfather, they decided to move down here as well. Like I said, I have tremendous family support. I know that I am blessed beyond belief. So we all moved down to Florida, and I got a, a little apartment with my son. It's a little beginner apartment for the two of us. We love it. Uh, I put him in daycare down here. He's he's so bright. He's such a bright little boy. And when I say bright, I don't mean he's just smart. He is. He's so funny and so sweet. He's the perfect little boy for me. When I moved down here. I got a sponsor, a phenomenal sponsor that is guiding me through my steps and is, you know, helps me every step of the way. Um, when I and, and I stay very involved, very active in the recovery community. I go to as many of the alumni events as I can at Singer Island. I do as much service work as I can. I go to, you know, about five meetings a week, five NAA meetings a week. I take my little boy with me. He plugs into his iPad, and he's become the little mascot of the South Florida recovery community. Um, and, and there's no one better in his life to help with him because being a single parent is the most challenging thing in the world. And being a single mother is, is emotionally challenging. It, it's rough not to have somebody help me get him to put his shoes on in the morning when we're running late. That's just rough. But to lay down at, at night and to read stories this little boy and have him do something super cute and super sweet, and I don't have the ability to look at a partner or a father, you know, his father, and say, look what we created, look how amazing he is, that hurts. That's hard. But I have a family for that. I have my family that's my blood family, and I have my family that's my recovery family. And all of us together are now raising this little boy, and I am not a single parent. Uh, we just have a different kind of family, and I'm okay with that. I owe so much of this to the techs at Singer Island that you know kept me safe and, and kept me in line because I have a tendency to go over, line, over the line. Um, I could go on and on and on with my, my thanks and my gratitude. And 
all in all, I, I, I am grateful to the people that are coming into this after me because they help keep me clean. My ability to now speak and to have a voice and to talk to people that are coming into recovery or new to treatment is immeasurable because they help keep me clean. And, and my ability to remember where I came from and where I am today, that keeps me clean. And my ability to have a relationship with my a God of my understanding these days, that keeps me clean. When When you're thinking about going into treatment or going into recovery or you're having a rough time staying in it, the advice that I can give to anybody is um, a year for me being in, in the recovery community and being in treatment doesn't seem like a very long time now, but there were certainly times in treatment there were long days and long nights and when I was doing halfway there were long days and long nights and you know, my disease talks to me and it tells me it's okay to just go have a drink and even though drinking wasn't my drug of choice, should I, God forbid, relapse, I know it will start with a drink. Um, however, I have seen so many people die down here in, in Florida and obviously we all see the news and what's going on in the news. So, you know, there's no words for, for seeing a 22, 23 year old, whatever age it is, um, and the potential of what that life could have been. To stay in treatment, nobody has a successful relapse. There are no old drug addicts because our bodies can't survive it. And the rat race of using drugs and getting drugs and having to wake up in the morning with drugs and alcohol, but to have to get up in the morning and how am I going to get the money? How am I going to get the, the drugs? Is my person going to come through? Am I going to get caught? It's a horrible, horrible, vicious life. And life this way, waking up in the morning and sure I'm tired, sure I'm worn out. Do I feel like going to work some days? Absolutely not. Do I feel like getting out of bed some days? Absolutely not. When I'm tired, I allow myself to rest. There's nothing wrong with it. But I don't pick up anything. I don't pick up a drink and I don't pick up drugs because I don't know how to do that casually. I don't know how to do it socially. And my life, I used to walk around and like when you walk outside in Florida, it's so hot and humid some days that if you have glasses on, they fog up. Well, my whole life it seemed that I was looking through foggy glasses like that until I got clean. Once I got clean and I let my brain start to heal a little bit and my mind ease up and I took a break, I, I cut myself a break and I wasn't so hard on myself and I started to like myself, life is so much better. Life is so much more clear. Um, the best day of my life was not the day my son was born. The best day of my life was when I came home from treatment and he was at the other side of the gate at the airport and he ran up to me screaming, my mommy's home. That was the best day of my life. And if I did not get clean, if I did not start to learn how to take care of myself, that day would not have come. And I hold on to that. And there's got to be something in everyone's life that they hold on to that helps them stay clean and helps them go one more day. My little boy's name is Lucas. He's three and a half years old. 
he is the reason that I live. He is the most amazing soul that I have ever encountered in my life. And he's only three and a half. I can't imagine what is going to become of his life and what he's going to learn and how he's going to grow and who he's eventually going to be. But I'm not going to miss it. There is no drug or alcohol in this world that will make me miss a single day of his life as long as I'm here. And I love him more than life itself. And I coming to Florida, I have seen a lot. I have a lot of good and a lot of not so good. And I've seen a lot of women that have come down here and their family has their children or a system has their children and they almost seem scared to go back and fight for their kids or to be here and fight to get better to go back for their kids. We forget sometimes when we're so consumed with ourselves, we forget when we say our children are our lives, we forget that we are our children's lives. And my little boy, my Lucas, deserves so much better than an absentee mother. He deserves the present mother he has today. And I cannot imagine a minute of my life where my brain is altered so that I can't properly let him feel how much his mother loves him.